You know the feeling. It's a big holiday, and family is coming over. You've just spent two days cleaning your house. You woke up before sunrise to prep all the food. Everything looks, feels, and smells just like you live in a Hallmark movie. Except for that cold sweat you just broke out in. When you began to worry about those awkward family conversations and some of those difficult family dynamics. You are really hoping Uncle Larry doesn't bring up the election or his end-of-the-world theories because you know exactly what will happen next. So in order to avoid all of that chaos, you tactfully and secretly whisper, hey, please don't bring anything up about politics, church, or the traffic to all of your other family members as they arrive. Well, I've got a newsflash for you. Families aren't perfect, and sometimes they are just plain chaotic. But I'm wondering, is there any way at all that we can still love our families through all that chaos? Listen in as my guest on this episode, Kendra Fletcher, shares from her experiences and wisdom. As you'll soon hear, Kendra knows a thing or two about interesting family dynamics. She and her husband, Fletch, have eight kids and three grandchildren. Yes, you heard me correctly. They've got eight children. Kendra is also an author, having written two books, one titled Lost and Found, Losing Religion, Finding Grace, and the other titled Leaving Legalism. She actually went back to school recently, to grad school, where she's studying literature and arts. Kendra would tell you she's uh, probably a beach over mountains kind of person, and she probably wouldn't turn down a really good cup of tea. But most importantly, Kendra has experienced the freedom found by resting in God's grace. And I'm super excited to hear Kendra share, and I hope you're encouraged by our conversation today because what we're talking about are the moments with our families. Some of them are, are really great moments, and some of them can be really difficult moments, but the truth is we don't get these moments back because these are the moments before death. Kendra, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to have this conversation, to be a part of this. Um, you know, the holidays are coming up, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and that means families will be getting together. And for some families, that's a really good thing. Uh, for other families, that might be just an interesting time, right? Mm. So I, I really hope that this can be an encouragement to families as they think about spending time together um, and, and really making the most of those moments together with family. So I want to jump in to talk about that some more, but I feel like it just makes sense for us to get to know you a little bit better first. So would you mind just kind of um, telling us a little bit more about who you are and maybe a little bit about your family if you can? Sure, sure. Uh, I don't really know maybe the best way to say who I am. I, I've written some books. Um, I have a very large family. My husband and I got involved in um, in a sort of a community of faith that said, hey, I have as many kids as you can. <laughs> and so we did that. And uh, so we have eight children and uh, six of them are now adults. We have three grandchildren as well. Um, and, you know, that that uh, sort of directs the, the direction of your family when you've got that many people going on. Going on. So, um, yeah, so mom, author, uh, just brand new grad student, decided to go back to grad school this year. And um, that's kind of what's going on. I also teach online a little bit as well. Um, but let me tell you, the thing about having so many people in a family and so many personalities is that nobody's the same. <laughs> and we have lots of lots of little interpersonal things going on at any given moment. So yeah, I'm really happy to have this conversation. For sure. And that's kind of why I reached out to you is because I thought, you know, I bet she has a lot of experience just kind of navigating some of these conversations. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Okay, so beyond the bio and some of your accomplishments you just mentioned, kind of tell us when you look in the mirror, what do you see? <laughs> um, wow, that is that's a loaded question, Jeremy. <laughs> right? For any of us. Yeah. Uh, and I'm 53. And so you have a lot of history behind me now, you know, midlife. Um, I think I would tell you that I see uh, somebody who's been really carried by the grace of God. And I don't mean that in like a really, you know, trite Christianese kind of a thing. But boy, I tell you, I was raised in the church um, and then got super, super religious legalistically religious and, and relied on a lot of my own systems and, you know, works and things like that. And so I look back now and I say, oh, wow, this, this entire 53 years has been by the grace of God um, and not by my good accomplishments. So I think I see that. I think I see somebody who's just, um, yeah, just humbly carried by grace. Uh, you know, all the other things. Yeah. I'm super motivated and I'm, you know, very, I have lots of things on my plate and I like to do lots of things, but the bottom line, uh, none of it without, without God's good grace in my life. Mm. That's good. That's good to reflect on that. And I think probably if a lot of us looked in the mirror, we might begin to see some of that in ourselves, right? Hopefully. Um, Hopefully we get there. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. It takes a while to wake up to that sometimes though. Mm. Well, when you're kind of a can-do personality, I'm a type type A, you know, can-do, real smart, real intuitive, all of those things. Um, I think it's very easy to get into trap to think that you've done all these things, you know, on your own merits. Um, and whew, it's humbling when you realize that you come to the table with nothing in your hand. Um, we've been in some situations, I know you and I talked about this a little bit, but um, some some really hairy medical situations with our children. And uh, and boy, you 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 know, you sit there and realize I, I'm not in control. I don't I really can't mm -hmm. control any of these things. So yeah, it's it's solely by the grace of God. And maybe we can hear a little bit more about that, but that actually kind of leads me into and there's this phrase, um, Probably a lot of people have heard this phrase, you know, children are a gift from God. Yeah. And uh, that's an interesting statement <laughs> because this definitely is not a podcast episode to talk about the biological aspects of parenting or how we have kids or that's a different, that's a different podcast. But as we're just kind of talking today, I think uh, that's an interesting statement to kind of admit and, and acknowledge, I guess, that children are a gift to us. So therefore... Does that mean they don't belong to us? I mean, <laughs> you know, you have, you said eight kids. Yeah. So you and your husband have eight kids. How does that sit with you to kind of think about, are these kids really ours? Hmm. I, I'm pretty sure that was said uh, early on in our parenting. I mean, our first child was born in 1993. So that tells you, you know, how old, how old we all are. Um, but I know that was said. Children are a gift. Children are on loan. Children are not, you know, we, we mm. don't get to control all the things. But, um, but again, I'm this, you know, type, type A. I'm like, surely there's a blueprint for this. You know, it's <laughs> all I have to do is figure out the best way to, <laughs> you know, organize the day or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and that is really actually what led us into a lot of our, uh, our legalism and the things that we sort of grabbed grabbed onto like, oh, this is going to turn out kids who love Jesus. Oh, this is going to, this is going to save our kids. This, you know, um, and 
you do, you get to a, a point where you realize, oh, these are human beings um, and they're not projects. And I, it took me way too long to figure that out. You know, kudos to the young mom and dad who who know that from the beginning and, and are just sort of, you know, there to walk alongside and, and guide kids and point them to Jesus. That wasn't us. We really thought we were going to turn out these stellar human beings <laughs> by all our good works. And yes, everybody can laugh at that statement. But um, we were prideful enough and fearful enough to think that we we had a hand in all of that. Um, I think really what we're called to as parents is to just faithfully love our kids and faithfully show them their our need, you know, their need for for Jesus through our own need for Jesus. Um, because other than that, <laughs> they you you soon realize when they get into those tween and teen years that oh, they have opinions and uh, you know their own their own desires to move move forward in ways that maybe I didn't even think up, you know. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just like the whole issue of kind of waking up to the reality that, that we need God's grace. Sometimes it takes time, right? To kind of realize maybe this isn't all under my control after all. Right. But there's also this song I've been listening to recently. It's called These Are the Days by this singer named Corey Asbury. Mm. And, um, you know, in the song, he's basically just kind of talking about like how kids grow up you know, time flies by and then someday you might be sitting in a quiet house <laughs> just kind of thinking like, you know what? I miss those days, right? Mm. So there's this line, in fact, that says, these are the days we will want back. Um, so obviously we could talk for probably hours about kids and kids growing up and parenting and all of that sort of stuff. But I, but I kind of take that thought further and I kind of think like, you know, at some point we might just kind of look back and think not just like, do we want those days with our kids back, mm. but your sister or your brother or yes. your mom and dad. And, you know, there's a lot to that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think that just children are a gift from God. I mean, I think our families are a gift from God and I, I'm not naive and I'm not going to like kind of beat around the bush. Sometimes families have real challenges that are super, super difficult. And it may not feel like their family members are a gift from God. It yeah. may feel like they're just sent from hell. Right? right. Right. Yeah. It's obvious that relationships can be one of the biggest challenges we face on this planet. So from your experience, your perspective, like what's up with that? Why are relationships so <laughs> difficult? Right. And you, you don't know this, but you're asking like the person who struggles with this so much. I used to always say, I would much rather fold laundry than deal with interpersonal issues between my kids. <laughs> you know, like it's so much easier to make a meal plan or to, you know, homeschool them academically or whatever than deal with all that, you know, with tension or, you know, interpersonal issues or personality differences. Um, but when, I, when you were asking that, I was thinking about uh, our firstborn son. So our firstborn is 30 years old, and he uh, has had a, a lot of hiccups in his life, but, but mainly because he was diagnosed about 10 years ago with bipolar disorder. And so that's brought a whole dimension to the relationship with him that involves you know, acute mental illness um, and his, his uh, handling of that and, and managing that and whatnot. And then issues with siblings who, who really bore the brunt of some of that behavior when, he, when they were growing up, you know, before we knew that this was his struggle. Looking back, of mm -hmm. course, you know, it's one of those things where we're like, oh, that explains a lot, you know, and he says that too. Um, and he's very open about me talking about this. So, uh, so anyways, that, that issue happens. Well, I'll tell you, 
there were a couple of years um, that were very, very stressful. He basically cut his father and me out of his life. Uh, we didn't know why. We couldn't. We we couldn't figure it out. He wouldn't answer. You know, any of our attempts to to communicate with him. And then uh, in January of 2020, right as the pandemic was rolling, our second son was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And that came out of nowhere. He was having migraines, mm. you know, he thought whatever. And so, you know, n- nobody, he wasn't having health issues. Nobody saw this coming, whatever. So then suddenly he's in a helicopter being flown to UCSF for emergency Ugh. brain. Yeah. Yeah. Brain surgery. Yikes. So yeah. And young father, they have a brand new baby and super stressful, right? Well, <laughs> we, we all say we've got to reach out to Hayden. He, he needs to know that this is happening, you know, and whatnot. And he won't communicate with us, but we got to try. He showed up at the hospital, um, right? I can't even remember the timeline. It was either right before or right after Nate's surgery. And, uh, and it's tense, you know? We hadn't had this conversation with him, or we hadn't been able to speak with him for a couple of years, and the bipolarity is still there, and just, mm-hmm. just all kinds of things. And he'd had a tense relationship with that brother. Now we're staring, we're seriously staring death in the face. You know, we don't know mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Uh, with this son and his the brain tumor and whatnot, I I I sat next to my daughter in law in that ICU, helping her fill out directive forms for my son's life. Ugh, you know, and yikes. that that's where we were with this. And then you know Hayden walks in with a girlfriend we'd never met, and you know like this is where the rubber meets the road. You know, for sure. And so out of that came. A, a, a beautiful conversation where our son said to us, you know, here's where I'm hurt and why I haven't wanted to be part of your lives for the last two years. Um, mm. And But because of that, you're know, right before that situation, my husband and I said, we're just going to listen to understand. We're, we're going to go mm. to this meeting with him and we're going to listen to him to understand his perspective. We're not going to get mm. defensive. We're not going to say, but Hayden, you know, this thing happened and we didn't know this thing or whatever. You know, we're not going to defend ourselves. We're just going to listen to understand his perspective Uh, Mm. by the grace of God. You know, that had been something I don't even remember where that came from, but we just decided that's what we were going to do. And that Mm. opened a door because we were able to just say to him, we're so sorry that that is how you viewed that situation. And we're so sorry that we played a role in that, that, uh, that made you see it that way. That was never our intent and we hurt you and we're so sorry. Um, it, it just changed the whole entire tide of that relationship. And I, I've seen over and over again um, with adult friends, um, adult children, that that one thing, you know, that if they, they'll say repeatedly, if if my parents will only, if they would just admit that this was, you know, something that hurt me and they would just apologize, then things could be different. Um, and mm-hmm. so I'll say, you know, again, by the grace of God, that's the direction we went in that moment. And um, the relationship has been restored. Um, it's not perfect. Uh, There's still struggles with siblings. There's still, you know, all of this tension. And by the way, the son with the brain tumor lived (laughs) and he's, he's doing quite well. Yes, I know. I know. (laughs) Break that tension. Right. Um, And he's, (laughs) he's the father of three now, which is quite amazing because that, yeah, that tumor was on his pituitary gland and we had no idea what that was going to do to his, uh, his hormones, but clearly it was fine. So, 
Um, so anyways, you know, I, all that to say that that has to be one of the most tense relational situations we had with one of our children so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and God just had us in a place after about 10 years of other things we'd gone through um, that, that, that put us in a humble position to say, you know what, we blew it and we're not perfect people and we're not perfect parents. And we really mm-hmm. made decisions that hurt him because he was our firstborn and he was the one that I think we thought we were going to (laughs) engineer to be this amazing human being. And instead we just squashed him, you know? Uh, And then, then the mental illness thing comes up in his life and he struggles on so many levels with that. But instead of us contributing to that now, you know, we feel like we can come alongside of him as a person, as somebody we love, as not a project, you know, as, as not mm-hmm. somebody that we, we think, oh, no, he's struggling spiritually. And, you know, but we can say, oh, no, he's struggling spiritually. How can we just love him? Just love him. We don't, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to call the game at halftime here. He's only 30. <laughs> you know, he's got a lifetime left to live for God to work in his life. And gosh, how about if we just love him? Just where, right where mm-hmm. he is. Not try to convince mm-hmm. him of things, not try to, you know, again, justify our actions or anything else, but just love this young man where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been huge and had ripple effects um, in the rest of the relationships with our family, with our children, mm-hmm. with our siblings, with our, you know, our own siblings, um, with our parents. Like, what if we just love them? What if we just love them <laughs> where mm-hmm. they are, you know? And, and-, and that is like... That can be so hard, right? Oh, I mean, so hard. And I, like I mentioned earlier, some families have some really difficult things that they're currently walking through. And absolutely, and like, those moments you're like, I do, I do not want to love this person, right? No. And something I've kind of picked up, you, you said a couple things that really stood out to me. You said the word humble, hmm. which we could probably again another episode explore that. But a couple of times now, you've mentioned this word grace, mm-hmm. and I'm totally aware that. Anybody and everybody could listen to this podcast and someone might be listening and being like, what grace? Like, is that what you say before the meal? (laughs) So how did you learn about grace? What's the deal with that? Like, how did that come into your life? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a very long story. I wrote a book. (laughs) No, I'm I'm teasing. You you did. I mentioned that earlier. (laughs) It really is born out of understanding that we brought, you know, we, we really thought we, we're doing all these things, these things, we were doing more and trying harder. And, you know, if we just, if we just followed these things, then God would be pleased with us. And, and all of that got completely peeled back in our lives. Um, really actually sort of destroyed by some, some medical emergencies. Um, we nearly lost three of our children within a span of 18 months to three different things, a car accident where I ran over a child, uh, in our oh driveway. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, she's alive. <laughs> uh, um, uh, <laughs> a virus that, uh, one of our children caught as a seven week old baby that left him with brain damage. Um, he's 15 now and is about six years old, uh, mentally. Um, and then another child who had a, a ruptured appendix that went septic. And, oh um, I mean, it just, it, it absolutely undid us. And I never like to say, well, you know, God, God does these things to us to teach us a lesson or whatever. No, but he did certainly, Um, he did certainly open our eyes to a lot of things. And the number one thing is that we were 
we were really trying to earn his love and his um, approval in our lives, uh, even though we both had been believers since we were kids. But it was just this sort of like, okay, I got it. That's the gospel. I understand grace. I understand, you know, um, God's work in my life. But now what do I do? Tell me what to do. Where's the list? You know, how can I, how can I do all the things on the list? And instead, you know, God sort of like blew up the lists and said, hey, you know what? You're loved and accepted right here where you are. Which then allows us to say, hey, you know what? We're loved and accepted right here where we are. Gosh, I can pour that out on the person that is a real struggle for me. I can pour that out on the the person who's, you know, really uh, an issue in my life. Does that mean there aren't boundaries? Absolutely not. There are some boundaries um, in relationships where we've been hurt. You know, uh, I would say that to anybody in, in a, some sort of an abusive or manipulative relationship, are there boundaries? 100% there are boundaries. Um, but, but the grace to recognize that we, we all sort of sit in the same position of, um, you know, of, of God's grace and love. And I can also treat somebody with that same grace and love. Um, yeah, but boundaries, yeah. <laughs> boundaries mm-hmm. too. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that we're talking about this because I, I was just talking with my brother-in-law. He he and I were talking about this and how it's interesting because, okay, little disclaimer, we're going to go a little bit churchy for a second, but we'll get, we'll get back to the talk. But um, the realization that I think people who say they are Christians are sometimes so uncomfortable with grace. Yes. And I'm still figuring out what grace is on a daily basis. Yeah. But sometimes I just wonder if we are so uncomfortable. In fact, I had a conversation with a pastor today about this too. Mm. Like we just get so uncomfortable with grace that that it's literally a free gift where God just says, I love you, yeah. period. Yep. And um, <laughs> we, something inside of us, I don't know what it is. Again, man, Kendra, maybe we should do like many more episodes because <laughs> we could explore this stuff some more for sure. But Bringing it back to family, mm-hmm. you know, I love how you just described how your own understanding of grace and the ability or the the reality that you as a human being, that your husband as a human being, that you guys are loved just because God loves you, period, end of story, all yeah. your scars, all your blemishes, um, that you don't have to add on, you don't have to follow some sort of prescription or formula um, you can just, I guess the word that comes to mind is rest mm-hmm. and yes. all of that to say, long story short, yep. all of that trickles down to how families can interact. So let's kind of switch gears a second and really kind of focus on, um, like I said before, right. Thanksgiving's coming up. Yeah. Christmas is coming up. And so I know I've been there. I've sat at a, at a table and you just know that these two people over here or these people over <laughs> here, that something is brewing and, one comment about politics, good Lord, yeah, one comment right? about the church, one comment about this or that is just going to make the whole thing blow. Yep. And so I don't know. I mean, you've shared a ton so far about how you've seen grace working in your family, how mm-hmm. you've been able to extend that to other people, all that stuff. You know, the son, the, the story about your son, Hayden, mm-hmm. um, that whole experience working through that. I mean, that's a great example of how kind of working through things with grace and love um, can turn out for the better on the other side. Um, but yeah, any, any, any thoughts about like, how, how can we better approach these conversations with our family members? And mm-hmm. I guess I should say real quick too, it doesn't just have to be like these really like tense situations, but just every day. I mean, 
how can we make the most of our moments of the moments with our families? Mm, that's a great question. Well, two things come to mind. One, one is, I, I agree with you. I think we struggle so hard with the idea of grace. And I think at the, at the base and core for most of us, we struggle believing how much God loves us. And that goes because for the church every, and non-church, right? I mean, like, oh, oh, 100%. Yeah. But, but what else in life is like that? I mean, every single other transaction in life is a transaction, right? I, I do this for you, you pay me. You know, I, even a marriage <laughs> is a contract. Like, you know, we're going to enter into this covenant contract together and you're going to do this and I'm going to expect this from you and you're going to expect this from me for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, right? There's always this sort of contractual thing. You study hard, you'll get an A on the test. Right. You, you know, this is just how everything works in our, in our society, in our economy. And it doesn't work like this with God. And I think that's why we can't wrap our little brains around it. Um, and so... Coming from starting from right there and just saying, Lord, don't help me to do more for you. Help me to believe you better. You know, like I think that that became my prayer was like, help me to believe how much you really actually do love and accept me. Just period. End of sentence. You know, like don't 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 help me to follow you better, be better, you know, try more, whatever all the things are. Just just help me to believe you that you are who you say you are and that you love me like you say you do. And then again, from that, once you, you sort of can begin to say, and, and believe me, I've had to say it like over and over again, every single day, Kendra, <laughs> you know, you really are loved by God. You really are. Because somehow my little brain doesn't, you know, doesn't continue to believe this. And so I remind myself of that. I can say, and out of that can overflow this type of love and grace onto other people. But Part of that, Jeremy, I think in terms of like that, the realistic, how do I sit down at the Thanksgiving dinner table when somebody's going to bring up, you know, COVID again, or somebody's going to bring up, you know, the upcoming the presidential election, <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Can I listen to understand where they're coming from rather than having to listen to agree? That mm. has been a huge change for me with my children, with, you know, adult children, they love to pop off, you know, and have some <laughs> suddenly have opinions just because they want to push back, you know, or test where you, what you're going to say back to them, you know, because they know what your opinion is and they're going to come in from left field with something else. And so can I just say, oh, tell me more about that. You know, I had a conversation with my dad recently who, um, <clears throat> <laughs> who said something that I was like, you know, like, I'm not so sure about that. And I said, I said, dad, what do you mean by that? And just getting him to define a term that he said to me, you know, just getting him to sort of maybe pull it out of the news cycle he was <laughs> hearing it from and to define it for himself so that I could better understand what he was saying to me, you know, or where he was coming from. And then, you know, I was able to just say, um, okay, that's interesting. All right, I, I, I get, I understand what you're saying. I did not walk away from that conversation agreeing with him. In fact, I, I totally disagreed <laughs> with what he was saying. But my dad's 84, you know, and do I need to, do I need to enter into some great giant debate with him? No, you know, if if it were a friend who we have these great debates and that's the nature of our relationship and it's fun and it's feisty and you know all that great. But I, I only really needed to understand where my dad was coming from. And then I could just walk away loving him, you know? Mm. And I think that 
that's something we have to train ourselves to do in a, in a society where we all have a comment and an opinion about everything, right? Yeah. Like, can I just listen to somebody's where they're coming from? Can I just understand where they're coming from and then love them, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think like just speaking from personal experience, my family knows this about me that I think there are times when I'm just too prideful. Like I just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to be right. And I know I'm right, even if I'm not right. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> like that seems to be like the killer right there. Like I'm just going to fight this to the death. Yeah. And, but, but I love that. Can I just listen? Yeah. Like put my opinions, put my ideas, put my, my need to be right, my need to win the argument, my need to prove myself, my need to whatever, fill in the blank, put that aside and just listen. Yeah, it's not easy. No, it's not easy. It's not easy mm. for sure. But I, I kind of picture Thanksgiving coming up and I just wonder how many families, maybe it will just be quieter because they're all listening to each other. Yeah, and and that idea to listen, to understand, you know, I can listen to you say whatever your political view is, uh, and I can say, okay, I got it. I, I get where you're coming from, mm -hmm. but I don't have to agree. Mm -hmm. And I don't even have to tell you that I don't agree. Right. You know, likely in terms of children, they know, <laughs> you know, like my kids know what I believe. So, you know, yeah. I don't need to tell yeah, them. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you could even like, just like have a conversation with somebody and be like, and just end it there. Okay. Yeah. I, I understand now, like yeah. what you're saying. Or yeah. I hear what you're saying yep. and just end it there. And I can guarantee the person who had just told you whatever they told you is going to be like, wait, what? You're not going <laughs> to this. That's where it ends. Right. Okay. Now pass the gravy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that you just said pass the gravy. We, we joke in our marriage. We'll say pass the bean dip basically about anything we don't want to talk about. <laughs> You know, okay. like you're in a, in a dinner party situation and they're like, well, tell me why you decided to homeschool your kids. Oh, yeah, because we want to. Pass the Dean dip. You know, like just <laughs> let it be over <laughs> or, you yeah. know, fill in the blank of anything, you know, that people want to to want to argue with. So, yeah. I but I, so the there's gravy. definitely some there's definitely some intentionality in like just wanting to going into a conversation, going into a meal with family, just going in to just listen, just listen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think I think. The other side of it too is like there has to be some other intentionality. I, I I just wonder about like moments of joy, right? Yeah. You know, when my family and I have a chance to get away, you know, things are stressful. We homeschool too. You know, my wife is helping to run the family business. You know, I, I work at a hospital, it's stressful, all that sort of stuff. It's just life can just be a lot. But I know it's really key for us to have moments of joy. So um and, and no matter what you're going through, it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be like the huge vacation to the Bahamas. That doesn't have to be, you know, right. it could be anything big or small. Um, anything you have to share about that and what it looks like for maybe even you as a family to try to just mm -hmm. infuse joy into what you do. Well, um, I'll tell you, going through all of the things we've been through with kids, you know, raising a special mm -hmm. needs child now, and which was not something I ever had experience with. I'd never really been, I'd never had, you know, siblings or, you know, wasn't really ever around people with special needs. And so, boy, did I get a baptism in that, you know. Um, and I think the huge theft for me is expectations. The theft of joy for me is expectations. I know there's some cute little like Instagram quip about that. I don't remember what it is, but, but truly in my life, when I have decided that I'm not going to have expectations of an event, typically, you know, I mean, we can have expectations of, <laughs> we can have realistic expectations of, you know, certain, certain things in life, but 
you know, if, if, if I'm expecting this, you know, wonderful family gathering at Thanksgiving and everybody's going to be happy and it's going to be joyful and, you know, nobody's going to complain about the food and people <laughs> are going to help, you know, or whatever, then I've already, <laughs> I have already sunk myself, you know, into it being the worst Thanksgiving ever. But if I say, you know what, likely I'm going to be making all the food still, um, likely, you know, this thing, this thing, whatever. And I'm just not going to have any expectations. We're just going to enjoy the day. Oh my goodness. The amount of joy that bubbles up it, because I've decided that I'm not going to expect people to behave a certain way or for things to go a certain way. Um, it's amazing. I, I feel like now with that perspective on a lot of my life, um, mostly because of my special needs child who <laughs> seems to put a wrench in any of my plans. You know, <laughs> if I go in with no expectations, um, wow, I, everything's a bonus. You know, everything's mm -hmm. a bonus. Mm -hmm. So then when there's no expectations at Thanksgiving and somebody can't show up, I'm not, I'm like, oh, bummer, we're going to miss you so much. But it's not like, oh, our whole family's not together. And that was my expectation, you know, or when the baby, you know, the, the grandchild who is, who kind of cries through everything, you know, cries the family photo, I can say, that was that little guy. <laughs> that was the year he cried through everything instead of like, oh, I didn't get this perfect family photo, you know, or yeah. what, you know, fill in the blank, right? There's a, a thousand different ways we have these expectations. And I would say in terms of looking forward to joy in the season to come in relationships, gosh, lower your expectations to reality, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. So I think just kind of recapping a couple of things you've shared, which I think are super helpful, thinking about family time coming up and stuff is just um, remember that, you know, you have your family for this chunk of time. You don't know how long it is. That's right. Uh, make the most of it by listening to them. Yeah. And then maybe in some ways kind of give up, give up your own <laughs> expectations, right? Yeah. Not, not give up as in like, don't, you know, quit, but like, yeah. uh, give up, give up your agenda, give up your, your expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Give up the, yeah. the expectations that really are just whatever picture you had in your head. You know, life just doesn't go that way. Um, and, and, and everything then feels again, it just feels like a bonus, you know, mm -hmm. that's good. Okay. So last thing, if you are willing to do this, I like to play a little word association game with people I talk to, Okay. but for yeah. you, since we're talking about family, I thought it'd be kind of fun just to give you a word. And then I want you to tell me how you see this show up in your family. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So super simple. Don't overthink it. Let's just do this. Okay. Okay, first one I'm going to give you is love. Mm, time. How about joy? How do you see joy show up in your family? Uh, grandchildren for me right now, yeah. Okay, how about peace? Um, low expectations. Okay, and we talked about this word a little bit before, but the word grace. Mm, gift. And finally, the word life. How do you see life show up in your family? Mm. Oh, that's that's tough. And I'm now I'm overthinking it, right? And you said, don't overthink it. <laughs> um, life, uh, I think appreciating where we are right now. Um, I, I did lose okay. a very dear, very close brother two years ago. And I think that that changes your perspective, right? So mm -hmm. uh, appreciate appreciation of where we are right mm -hmm. now. Well, Kendra, thank you so much for taking the time to offer some of your experience and um, your perspective. 
It's it's one of the best things about what I'm doing on on this podcast. And the reality is, this is kind of a side thing. Like I have a full time job, and yeah, but it's so cool to get to know people and hear their perspective on the moments of life, uh, especially as we're talking today about moments with your family. Right? It's important. These moments matter. I truly hope that your life will be filled full with love and joy as you continue to get to know true grace and peace up close. And also, you've written some books. And uh, how can people kind of find what you've written or maybe follow along to be encouraged by you? Yeah, the easiest place is my website, KendraFletcher.com. I just write a lot about grace and freedom. Okay. So there you go. And I'll put that in the show notes too, so people can find your website. But thank you again so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Jeremy. If you enjoyed listening in on this conversation, you can stay up to date and find out when episodes are released twice a month by following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, tell someone about it. Help me spread the word. You can also find me online and contact me by visiting themomentsbeforedeath.com. Thanks for listening.